Welcome to the third episode of Your Time in the Run, the startlingly good official-ish hunted podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is the not entirely daft and malicious guy who spends most of his time trying to catch a marine, Anthony Williams. Hello! And the lady who would love to spend Mother's Day away from her children, Michelle Pistenemann. Hello, hello! Three weeks and three jokes about you hating your children. Normal services resumed. Yes, yes. I wonder if this continues into the Amazing Race ones as well. Oh, it will, 100%. I'm warning you now it's going to continue because I find it so much fun. You're such a joy. Especially as I, right before this, watched the Family Visit episode of Survivor, so all I can think of is the fact that if you were there, you would hate your children. (laughs) My children wouldn't be there. (laughs) Yeah, you'd go onto the beach and Jeff would say, it's time for a little love, and you'd be like, oh, for God's sake, not this. (laughs) Oh, dear. All I can say is, how many different themes are there for Michael to wind Michelle up with? There's only one. There's only one? Yeah. Are you serious? <sighs> right. Can I just tell you, if this thing on the wall flies at me at any point during the podcast, I will be screaming, and that is it. That's called your child, Michelle. You made her. <laughs> right up near the ceiling? I don't think so. It should be demonic. Well... <laughs> And a happy Australia Day, one and all, given that I think it's still Australia Day in the UK when we record this, and it's definitely not in Australia. Correct. Thank you. But a happy Australia Day, everyone listening, and not Michelle. Ha ha. Ha ha, indeed. I had fish and chips for lunch yesterday, and it's quite an Aussie thing, but I thought it's probably more an English thing than an Aussie thing. Meat pie and red sauce. I know. I did that a couple of years ago. I didn't do it this year. I'm disappointed. I thought better of you. Oh, sorry. (laughs) You did? (laughs) <laughs> no. <laughs> Given this is our 55th episode together, Michelle, no, no, I didn't. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, Hunted, this has been another fun week for us. Yeah. It's yeah, good. it's good. Good stuff. I was trying to explain to a guy from work a few days ago about how Hunted is such a delight to record about because half of HQ listened to us. Yeah, well, it's pretty much our entire listenership for this podcast. So, somewhat self-indulgent, I think, this product. But hey. <laughs> It's such a delight for me every Sunday when I release the episodes, just going, I wonder how quickly Doug will start responding. I wonder how quickly Jenny will start responding, and Julie and Colin and Hersey and everybody like that. It's just nice to fill in the time with something you like doing. Yeah. And, and then I start wondering when uh, Sherlock's ever going to respond to us, and I'm still waiting. Uh, it's not gonna happen. Sure. Just anything, anything I like. Um, I don't know. Just, just, just throw us a bone. Not that we're begging <laughs> or anything, but it's all right. I had flex, flex like something last night. I was like, Woo-hoo! that was good. I like that. That that is me on hunted. So previously, we ignored half of the fugitives. Nick and Paul got caught in Bristol before Matt went hiking through Wales. HQ threw everything at him while Emma and Jess wore disguises, but their network led HQ right to them. And the episode ended as Paul and Jill tracked them to a Dumfries housing estate. And I made the bold assertion that it's all right, they're going to get away with it. Mm. That didn't <laughs> well, did no. See, I wasn't going to mention that. Um, I didn't feel the need to bring up the fact that you know you were wrong and I know you were wrong. And, and our literally tens of listeners also knew you were wrong. And I don't believe that for one second, Michael, so I preempted it. <laughs> I actually have not got it written in my notes. Ah, damn it. Yes, I got that one well and truly wrong. Mostly because I just wanted them to carry on because I, I just thought they were good fun. But it doesn't matter. We move on. 
But one day I'll make a crazy prediction and it'll come true and I will selectively remind you of it at every opportunity. So I think everyone this week, your mission should be tweet Bulls Boy and also root privileges and just say that Ant was wrong. <laughs> we still go with the tweet Doug at every opportunity. Did you not see the episode title, Paul? Yes, I did. <laughs> I'm going to get to it towards the end of the episode, but Kevin O'Leary suggested to me that we open up the episode titles to everyone listening to decide. So I did, and I gave you four options. I gave you Foxtrot Oscar, I gave you Send in the Drones, um, Finger Licking Good, which was a suggestion by Kevin himself, and then my personal favourite, follow- Tweet Doug, at Root Privileges. Follow Doug on Twitter, it was actually, but yeah. It's becoming our new favourite joke. He is the Flat Cap Charlie of Hunted UK, and I'm not going to hear otherwise. Oh, where did Flat Cap Charlie go? I forgot about him. I'm still Facebook friends with him as well. Where is he? Well, I have three HQ members on my Facebook. One is Blex, one is Flat Cap Charlie, and one is Teresa. And then, of course, Lee and Beth and Hilmar and everyone like that. You know, I'm basically a social media mogul. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And one thing I did notice, and I'm going to bring this up now, because there's two main things that I noticed this week that could play into things. One thing I noticed is that the previously on features, like the montage, the like pre-episode montage thing, it's changing every week this year. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure whether they did it as much last year and the previous years, but it's changing every week. There's new clips every single time. And there was a very interesting one in this week's, because this mm-hmm. week's featured a clip of Frank running away. Oh, I missed that. Really? Yeah, I'm wondering whether you guys spotted it. Because he was wearing a GoPro strapped to his chest and a grey hoodie and running through a warehouse. Now cast your minds back to uh, episode back. one. Yes, yeah, yes. When yeah. I said in the pre-episode montage that it looked like Harry was wearing a grey hoodie in a warehouse with a GoPro strapped to his chest because it was filmed from the fugitive's point of view mm-hmm. and we saw George saying, come here, mate. Yes, yes. I thought that was going to be Matt last night, actually, when he was waiting in the farm house. I thought it was going to be him. Last week I wavered when I heard that Matt was actually through to episode four. I thought, maybe that's Matt's capture. I don't think it is anymore. I think it's Frank's capture. Uh I don't want them to get caught. But I think, given this episode, and having watched this episode and thought on it, I think they split up. And I think Frank sacrifices himself at the end to distract the hunters. I, really? I have similar thoughts, yeah. They were really bigging up the fact that Frank became a father figure to, to Harry and that Frank is the alpha, basically, and the one taking care of Harry. I think Frank and Harry will get to day 24 and go, it's going to be difficult for both of us to win. I want you to go solo. I will distract the hunters and I will run through a warehouse and distract them and make sure that they don't catch you. Yeah. That's my gut feeling on it. I'm willing to go along with that. Because we theorised that Bob would do it for Alex last year, and I think that Frank is going to do it for Harry. Yep. I think they're going to get to the point where HQ start closing in, and they realise that they can't win as a pair. Sounds plausible to me. Sounds good. And it's also a new storyline that we've never seen before, and is like the entire sort of thing that they feed on is these sort of emotional moments. And that's why they kind of lean towards pairs more than singles. And it's because you really have this intense stuff when they start splitting up or start debating their future as a pair. I would never have got that from that episode. Even when we saw them in episode one, they were really bigging up the sort of chalk and cheese aspects. But this week, we had the chalk and cheese aspect, but also the fact that 
their parents died, and that Frank had to assume the parental role. Still, I, that, that doesn't make me think, oh, they're going to split up. Are you are you just thinking of Alex and his, his dad and, and equating it with that? I'm not sure. I think it's because we saw those pre-episode clips are obviously trying to lead us towards a certain conclusion. But the fact mm-hmm. that two weeks ago we saw the, the clip of somebody in a grey hoodie with a GoPro strapped to the chest running away from George in that warehouse, and it's the same warehouse in the back of the shot from Frank, definitely. Frank is wearing the same hoodie with a GoPro strapped to his chest and with a cameraman following him, and he's looking sort of coy is the mm-hmm. wrong word, but he's looking sort of coy towards the camera about it. It it just looks like a decoy plan to me. No one has ever taken a GoPro on before, have they? No, but the, the cameraman would have given it, because if you notice, when hunters are going right. in for the capture themselves, they all wear, like, GoPro straps on their chest to be able to get the additional yeah. footage. Yeah. Mm. And also, if it gets to week six, and I'm right on this, I'm going to be so smug just to warn you guys now. I've been thinking about this in the past two days, because we record on a Saturday. I've been thinking about this in the past two days, and I, I'm pretty confident that I'm right on it. Yeah, I'll go along with it, so... I've got similar, I'd missed that clip, but I've got lots of notes, kind of, this father figure thing is going to play into it. There's, you've got Dr. Donna talking about the intensity of the relationship might get dramatic. There's definitely a big, there's a big storyline coming up for these guys. And also, the fact that Harry has a much bigger social media footprint, as we confirmed this week, he has a much bigger social media footprint, so it's going to be a lot easier for HQ to track him. Yeah. Well, he just has... A social media print, and his brother has absolutely nothing. He has an iPhone. Doesn't know how to use it, though. <laughs> Unlike two of the people in, on this podcast, he has an iPhone. What do you mean? Who doesn't have an iPhone? I don't have an Me iPhone. Me and Ant, we both have Android. <laughs> God, get with the, the world. We both don't <laughs> waste money. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Emma and Jess start the episode by having KFC. And Emma spots the hunters, and they try and jump the fence through back gardens. Paul and Jill see them, and they chase. The girls hide in the garden. Two more hunter teams are dispatched, and then Jess is caught, and friend of the podcast, Colin, cackles. Yeah, and we get we get Jill's <laughs> first ever... <laughs> which I, I do feel like she rushed a little bit. I think next time, <laughs> get, get your pacing right, Jill. Yeah. It's very shouty. Yeah, wait till you've actually caught them and taken a breath, and then you can go... Your time on the run is over. Not. Your time on the run is over. Wasted opportunity. Oh, stop it. She's running. She's exerting herself. She's allowed to. Oh, my God. Yeah, but you you capture the fugitive and then you go, your time on the run's over. You've been hunted down. (laughs) At least she did the line. There's rules, is there? There's rules to to how you can do things. There are rules and etiquette on how you do that catchphrase (laughs) and I will not hear it be defaced. Exactly. It was a very important thing. It's I would sacred. like to see the ground hunters, and I'd like to see you say that to their face. <laughs> happily, if if the ground hunters want to invite me to any rap party, I'm more than happy to walk in and go, your time in the run's over, your time in the run's over, everybody's time in the run's over. They'd eat you alive. I will be the hunted Oprah <laughs> if they invite me. Oh, God. Never mind. At least Jess took it well. <laughs> we'll get there. I was watching out this week for Colin moments as well, mainly because he's not really had as much love from this podcast as Doug has, and, you know, you can still follow Doug at, at Root Privileges, but Colin's also a friend of the podcast now, so I was watching out for him, and we got a couple of good Colin moments this week, mainly him cackling at the girls getting caught. And then Emma is also caught, and 
as is traditional, HQ get a line to the fugitives to say goodbye to them. And boy, does Jess take it well. <laughs> what a touch of class. <laughs> After countless fugitives have been caught, nobody has ever told Black's Foxtrot uniform. Yes. It was good. And Sherlock tells him not to be a sore loser, which is quite rich coming from him sometimes. Yeah. Sherlock is very angry when people get away from him. So it's a little bit ironic him saying, yeah, just have a touch of class. Don't be a sore loser. It's it's only a game. <laughs> and then we actually find out about everyone else. So Frank and Harry were last sighted a week ago, and we get a delightful scene from Frank and Harry. They were the stars of this week's episode. And Harry says the biggest issue is the toilet situation. And then as if by magic, one appears in the middle of a bloody field. What's that all about? Well, it's not in the middle of a field. It's <laughs> actually outside a church. Oh, I don't know. And we get the wonderful moment where Harry goes into the portaloo. Frank finds out he's in there because he can't shit in a field anymore. And Frank tips the portaloo. <laughs> that is just evil. I thought it was going to go over. I did as well. <laughs> it's evil know. and it's disgusting. Bad. Because if that went over, he would have been covered in not Aww. just his own feces, not just his bad. own urine, but everyone else's. Uh, yeah, that is pretty great. <sighs> Really grim. So, so if you were faced in the similar situation, would you have used the loo or not? If I was with my malicious older brother, no. <laughs> Blexwood. We've got nothing else to go on, so go for it. <laughs> oh, we've got the sound grabs again this week, of course, haven't we? Of course. Well, and while we're on the subject of toilets, I, th- I thought the hunters were grasping at straws when they expected that uh, inside the toilet. Hopefully flush that mess now. I don't think it's Matt Mason you're going to flush out of that toilet. I mean, nobody goes unhunted to be covered in someone else's bodily fluids. <laughs> Definitely not. There are other places to go for that kind of stuff. Exactly. It's more late night shows. <laughs> and we also hear from Ish and Nate. And Nate bought camping stuff off Amazon and HQ know about it. And they are in trainers for some reason. Well, you know, they thought about hiking yes. boots, but then decided that Converse was the way to go. <laughs> okay. Yes. What? what why not even... Look, anything except them. Converse are totally flat on the bottom. Yeah. They, they make your feet They're sore. They're very thin. You're going to feel every, feeling every uh. pebble and stone, aren't you, in that? Oh, gosh. I mean, Converse are very thin anyway, but they're also fabric trainers, so if it rains, they will get wet, you will be uncomfortable. Yep. Not the, oh, not the sharpest yeah. tools, I'm thinking, these guys. And Matt was last seen near Abergavenny, as we found out in a majority of last week's episode, and he has gone proper rural again. But he gets a bit of backstory about his wife and son this week, and he's realised that he doesn't want to be away from Harry for long periods of time. Which is why he's going doing another rowing world record. (laughs) Yeah, that lasted (laughs) a long time, didn't it? (laughs) And weirdly, if Michelle was in this position, she would come to the same conclusion at all. She'd be like, give me 25 weeks on the run. (laughs) Oh, you're so mean. I'm so mean by taking your words out of context, saying that if you're on Survivor, you would not care about the family visit because and i quote people are bitches on survivor crying all the time you i did not say that you can't say and i quote i didn't say who i was quoting oh not me (laughs) hey matthew's tent i am so impressed when the camera zoned in on him i at for a minute then for not a minute a second i couldn't tell what was the tree and what was the tent and where he was it was really well done pretty good he's good at this stuff and it was also Steve Hersey's first Father's Day as well. It was. We finally get a bit of Hersey backstory. Yeah. 
So I wished him a happy Father's Day on uh, on Thursday. I think everyone else should as well. <laughs> and also include root privileges in that tweet. Of course. Just because Doug wants the attention as well. Oh my gosh, all right, I'll include him in everything this week. <laughs> <laughs> what I want is Doug to turn on his phone on Friday evening or whatever it is that you watch it, Michelle, and go, why am I getting 70 tweets off Michelle? <laughs> what is going on with my notifications well, that- this week? It's Saturday evening, so it's your morning when I when I watch it. So, yeah. And Matt says that he wants to visit his wife and son and buys a t-shirt for his son in Wales. And as Ant said, we do find out that it is Father's Day for Steve Hersey and also Matt. And Blex, as is traditional, doesn't want Matt seeing Harry. Blex gets a bee in his bonnet every time about fathers seeing their children on Father's Day. Yeah, and yet hmm. another by sheer coincidence. It's a very significant day while he's on the run. It's almost like we predicted this last year. <laughs> How weird. <laughs> it's almost like they deliberately seek out people who have children, preferably young children, or birthdays around that time, or family yes. birthdays around that time. Hmm. Maybe it's something we've spotted, kids. And Matt is near his sister-in-law's house in Monmouthshire to meet his wife and son, which was verbally arranged, so there's no trail. And something I noticed when he meets up with Duncan, his brother-in-law, is that someone in a stripy jumper jumps down the hillside. Yeah, I saw that. I missed that. You look in the background, and next to the very back right tree, you just see someone in a stripy jumper sort of thing, oh shit, I'm on camera, and then just jump down. Yeah. And it's delightful. Uh-huh. This is why I love programs like The Good Place, because I'm just watching in the background for everything. <laughs> And HQ's spot that the end of Matt's route is Gloucester, and his in-laws are very nearby. And Blex says, a clip that I'm assuming Ant has already got in, let's see if we can't catch ourselves a Marine. No, I didn't get that one. Damn it. But but I did notice this one was... What could go possibly wrong, eh? What could go possibly wrong? <laughs> uh, hang, hang on, what, what's the phrase? What could go possibly wrong, eh? That phrase, Matt, that's, that's what's gone wrong. It's, what could possibly go wrong? Not. What can go possibly wrong, eh? I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> if oh. you're going to say what could go wrong, at least get the line right, Matt. Oh, I don't know. Why don't they make him reshoot it? I'm wondering whether Matt gets caught now. I'm really conflicted. Oh. I'm coming round on it. Part of me thinks he does. It's it's hard, and I think the reason it's hard is because he's got your classic hero edit, but he's an actual hero, so how else are you going to show him? <laughs> so it's tricky. I feel like Matt's going to be in every episode. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not mm. sure whether he's one of the final captures or not. It's, really, it's a really hard call to make. Because I'm usually quite concrete with my guesses, and I feel like there's only really three potential winners this year. Yeah, yeah. I can't pinpoint whether Matt is actually one of them or not. Matt is one of the three potentials. What's going in favour of him making it for me, though, is just how much non-critical footage you got this week of... Oh, here's Matt. Everything's okay. Oh, here's Matt. He's arranging with his wife. Oh, that's gone okay. And and also, I have I have opinions on that whole thing going down, which I thought was very odd. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I think he could. I think it's very plausible for Matt to win. Him, Loren, and Harry are my only three potential winners. Yes, definitely agree with all of that. But I just can't I can't reconcile whether he's actually going to win or not. Okay, so here's one one of my thoughts. So, of course, the game is completely legit and all the rest of it. However, what we do know is how much focus they want to put on particular fugitives will have a bearing on it, right? 
So think about how this series has gone so far. When they've had a, a reasonable lead, we've seen at least three Hunter teams get there straight away. They pretty much know exactly where Matt is. They know where his wife is. They know what route he was going on. They know roughly what he's doing. And all they do is send a drone. That's a bit weird. But they can't. It's not as if all the teams can go into that bush land, whatever you call it, forest. Uh, you know? It feels like they've had a lot of intel of where he is for quite a long time, yet nobody seems particularly close. The difference with Matt is that they don't want to engage him in a foot race. Uh. They need no, to be true. as covert as possible because if Matt takes off, not a single one of those hunters, as Sherlock said last week, can beat him in a foot race. I'd yeah. love to see it. He will get away if a hunter tries to chase after him. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that's what they want us to do. I don't know. I just just felt like that you'd get get people close to where he is, but the other reason that I think we could potentially see Matt winning is because we've not had a winner with this edit. No. Last year, we had Joe and Dan, who I love dearly, who were not shown for pretty much all of the series, and then just cropped up at the end and won. Whereas Matt, we've seen so much of, maybe more than any fugitive since Dr. Ricky Allen. Uh, He has been the focus of pretty much all three episodes so far. Yep. And as we well know, because as I'm going to say at the end, what the press release is, he's in next week quite heavily again. Yeah. But we did have a similar thing with Nick. We had lots of footage when there wasn't really a story to tell. If you remember, there was lots of him wandering around, talking about his childhood and stuff. And I got sort of similar kind of vibes this week with Matt's editing. There was was a lot about him um, and how he was feeling. And it just felt like they had to put a lot of him in so that we don't forget who he is. There's also the element of all six people who are now left, we know a lot about. We've had backstory for all of them. We know their motivations for potentially winning, uh-huh. which is something that we can't normally say halfway through the series. We know exactly what they would do with the money. We know why they want to win. And it's hard for us to actually pinpoint exactly who's going to win. And that's why I fall back on stuff like the pre-episode clips, because we see stuff like what looks like Ish and Nate getting chased over some fences. We see... Again! Yeah, we see <laughs> a person who we now know is Frank running through a warehouse we haven't got any potential capture scenes for Matt, Loren, or Harry. That's what I'm basing it on at the moment. And I wouldn't necessarily be shocked mm-hmm. if Harry is the only winner, because Harry is the only one I'm pretty confident is winning from his edit. Loren could potentially get get caught purely because we know she's in next week, and we know that she's already been portrayed from week one as maybe relying on the wrong sort of people. Yeah, And Matt, obviously, they... They want us to like Matt, which is what makes me think he's an endgame capture. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, I can we'll see. We'll I certainly see. wouldn't be shocked if Harry is the only winner. And I know nothing, kind of find out. All I have seen is the episode four and five press releases now. Yeah, you know what? Unlike previous seasons, I haven't got a Scooby who's winning this, to be honest. It's really difficult this year. <laughs> yeah. Screw you, editors. Foxtrot uniform, editors. Yeah, I, I love it. I hate it when I know what's going to happen. The, the, my favourite thing is to make a prediction and it's wrong, which is pretty good because that's what I do lots of. My favourite thing is when you make a prediction and it's wrong as well. Oh, there you go. <laughs> if it keeps on going. And Matt is confident that HQ don't know where he is, which is classic digging a hole quote, which is why at this point of the episode I thought, Matt's going to be the cliffhanger, isn't he, and get caught at the start of episode four. But he really isn't. No, they just used him for pretty much every break cliffhanger instead. 
But I wonder why Matt is so heavily featured, though. Uh, this is why. This is why I'm more. I'm more confident about him winning than I should be, based on what we've seen, because he's featured so heavily. It's really difficult because they don't usually focus an entire series around just one person, unless he's the only person who makes it. Mm. And Hunter's team spread out around his in-laws to try and find him and search all the farmhouses and outbuildings and everything, which we know there's a cliffhanger coming up. They won't find him. It was done well, though. You got the cliffhanger going in, and then you got his brother-in-law coming around the corner. It was very well done. I just have the note, there is not a chance in hell that Matt and Hunter Nick are anywhere near each other right now. And shocker, the person near Matt was his brother-in-law. So, Mm. Zoe sends in the drones... And Matt has arranged to meet his wife at the Cenotaph at 10pm. And that should raise red flags to anyone who knows a little bit about hunted rules. Because hunted rules are there is a particular period of time during a day that you have to be active. After that point, you have to bed down for the night, you cannot move. So this says that Father's Day, which was the 18th of June last year, was a a late filming day. In the same style as the Lolly Capture episode. Yeah, yeah, which will have been done for a reason. But what is the reason? Maybe it's because Matt was so frigging rural and they knew that he was most likely to do something on Father's Day that they needed to do this. Yeah, it could be. And Frank and Harriet are in Derbyshire, and Harry encounters some nettles. <laughs> because he's wearing jean shorts. He's a proper country boy. Oh dear. And I only say that because I know for a fact Michelle is going to start commenting soon. <laughs> I mean, seriously, why are you walking through the nettles? Do the nettles go 100 metres either side of where you're actually walking. Is there a way to walk around? Oh my gosh. And they've hiked over 100 miles since they left Liverpool. And Frank apparently lives outdoors and they're both complete opposites. They're three years apart and both parents died when they were younger. Frank took on a father role when he was 18 and took over dad's campsite business. And their reason for going on the run, which is why I think at least one of them wins, is that their mum died four months before they went on the run from dementia. Which is classic hunted... This is a reason why the why we want you guys to support them. Yeah, it's a lovely, compelling winner reason, isn't it? Mm. Especially when they say that mum's looking out for them. It's very, very sweet. It is. It's, it's all quite sweet, quite emotional. And I like the way that it just sort of happens. You know, there's, there's very little lead up and then suddenly you get all this really dramatic backstory. I've also realised something from what we were talking about earlier in, in the the reason that they tend to go for pairs is because you get to see the relationship develop or deteriorate respectively mm-hmm. any yeah. solo players you see tend to be quite self-sufficient self-reliant people yeah but I, I think that might even come down to when you're applying anybody who's willing to do it on their own probably already pretty confident in their own abilities but i'm wondering whether they potentially take solo players out of people who apply as pairs because we think you would be more interesting if you're on your own yeah it's possible I'm sure that there are people who will tell us this week on that question, but I'm interested on in that. Yeah, I would imagine it happens the other way around as well, where people apply on their own and, well, it's like your classic Amazing Race casting, will not it? Be, we think you're good, but you need someone to go with you. Or your classic casting for BBC One's The Code. Exactly. I mean, and we think you're all right, but you need, <laughs> you need a, a younger, more cocky uh, guy to go with you. Have you got anyone in mind? Well, <laughs> funny shit. <laughs> No, not at all. A younger, much more arrogant person. Yeah, funnily enough. <laughs> funnily enough, I think I know a guy. Hey, around the nettle bit is also the upside down on the fence bit. Oh, what the that's hell? funny. Was how? That? 
I don't understand. Was he sitting on the fence and fell backwards? I don't, know, I don't get it. The position of his arms, his hands. <laughs> I think Sorry. he probably went to climb the fence and then fell over and his backpack took him with him. I don't know exactly what happened, but there was someone in production going, what do you mean you didn't get it on camera? What do you mean that this is this is gold? <laughs> I, want, I want the film of it. Please can someone in production find that footage and set it to the Benny Hill music for me? <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> I'll put it in slow motion, grayscale it. I just want some sort of gif of that moment. I'm going to be honest. Hmm. And they go to a clay shooting club in Cheshire and Harry cries and we find out that their dad died at 55 of a heart attack. Where, do you, where did you say that clay shooting club was? It's in Cheshire, isn't it? No, it's just no, it's just it was, it was just down the road from you, wasn't it? After three, it's in Derbyshire. It's in a place called Dove Ridge. Okay, repeat after me: Dove Ridge. You got that, Steve? Dover Ridge. No, no, no. Dove Ridge. Dover Ridge. No, Dove <laughs> Ridge. Dover Ridge. Ah, oh, forget it. Sorry. They go to a clay shooting club in Derbyshire. Yeah, that is is quite close to me. It's actually really, really close to where my in-laws live. And this is an interesting point in the series now, because there's two different teams who Ant and I may have contacted HQ about. (laughs) Yes. I don't know whether Michelle knows that we did this, but... What did you do? Frank and Harry, I believe that Mr. Williams may have sent a message in about trying to lead them in the wrong direction. Yeah, Yeah, really. It was well. The minute that video hit, it was really obvious where they were. So, and it's quite close to me. So I just started randomly saying, "Oh, you can't, won't believe who I've just seen," but they didn't respond to it. So they probably saw straight through it. But there was quite a lot of um, decoy tweets this year around the same time. Yeah, someone who did get a response, however, from HQ was me. Ah, not about Frank and Harry. (laughs) What did you send? What did you do? I tried to help out another fugitive or fugitives by sending in a fake sighting. Mm. Who were you helping? Ish and Nate. Yes. I gave HQ a sighting that I'd seen them on the other side of the Pennines to where they actually were, around the time they went to Huddersfield. And? I said that I'd seen them in Rochdale Town Centre, and I did have a, uh, I did have a message back from HQ saying, can you call us? <laughs> Which Aww. I did not do. <laughs> So this reputation that I've got of always being willing to dob in the, the fugitives, I'm not necessarily going to dob them in if they give me a portion of the prize fund. <sighs> yeah, exactly. And Matt is at the rendezvous point, and Hersey is happy when he thinks that they've found him. Oh boy, is he happy. <laughs> and Black asks for a flyby. And Matt sees the drone and then just strolls casually into the forest. Yeah, because that's kind of the limiting thing with drones, is they're not very good if you're under trees and, oh, he's in the middle of a forest. I know that we are very fond of Matt on this podcast, but why on earth did you wait at the Cenotaph when you know that Lindsay's going to walk through the forest anyway? Wait somewhere where there's cover and a frigging drone won't find you. And that you'll hear people coming. At least it didn't find him, so... Yeah, but he could have very easily got caught on the top of a hill. By just not hiding himself. But also, he's, he's still really close to where the hunters have been, so why have they not got more resources on this? Interestingly, do you guys know why they met there? No, yeah. and I did mean to look it up, because there was some significance, I would imagine. Do you know why they met at the in-laws rather than Matt going to Devon to find his wife? 
Oh no! Why no. would? But, but why would he go there? Because That's just common sense. If you recall, I was made aware of a rule last year in that the fugitives have to meet someone fifty miles from their home. Right. Someone that they know. Mm-hmm. And w- without looking it up, I'm pretty sure that Devon to Monmouthshire is more than 50 miles. So I would assume that that is to do that rule, pretty much. Okay. Um, One thing that Matt di- said, he brought up Scooby-Doo again. What is this, the Scooby-Doo series? Well, he would have got away with it if it wasn't for them Blexi kids. I know. <laughs> like, a, like, it's an obscure thing to have twice. We're going to get to the final episode and he'll pull off that face mask and and reveal that it was Jamie all along. And (laughs) I finally made it. (laughs) I knew it. I knew that Jamie going to New York was a cover. (laughs) Jamie still owes me a coffee as well, or a hot chocolate. I've not forgotten that, Jamie, if you're listening. Yeah, so Matt sees the drone and strolls into the forest, and it goes dark, and the drone needs a battery change, which saves Matt. And he sees Lindsay, his wife, walking through the forest... And they have a wonderful chat. How are you doing? Really, really bad. They put a tracker on everything. <laughs> well, at least she's smart enough to be onto that and think, uh-huh, need to get an unknown car. So well done, Lindsay. But she, what she should have done is done what the girls did on um, on the heist and just draw a massive cock and balls. That was so funny. That was brilliant. That was one of my highlights of the whole show. It's one of everyone's highlights, as well as as well as them um, telling the deputy to fucking find some evidence, which was a delightful piece of television. I'm not even sure Michelle knows what we're talking about here, which is even better. I did notice this week that um, they're putting out casting calls for investigators Are they? this week. Yeah, so it looks like we're getting a season two. Ooh, have they said where it is yet? Uh, no, I don't think it. I don't think it specified it. it. Just said they're looking for um, sort of retired investigators and those kind of people to help out. So. I'm wondering whether they'll um, they'll take our advice on board a little bit and maybe look for investigators who are a bit less harsh. Yeah, a bit more charismatic, a bit more humorous would be good. The sort of HQ where you can root for them, like hunted, rather than root against them. Yeah, and I'm deliberately using the word root because I know what it means in Australian, Joe. Oh, you're a special type of human, aren't you? <laughs> I have been called special before. <laughs> and Matt and Lindsay do meet up on day 13. Yes. Which does line up with what we suspected. I did have to do the research just to make sure that they were telling the truth on that, but it is day 13. Mm-hmm. And then we go back to Wish and Nate, who are also hiking through the Peak District. And they've got water in their shoes because they were very short-sighted and not buying any sensible shoes. So uh, we are getting a very, very clear, they might have got through university, but they have no common sense edit from these guys. I am I am definitely saying they are not going to make it. I went into this episode thinking Ish and Nate probably would make it. I've left this episode agreeing with you. I think they are going to get mm-hmm. caught at some point. They're going to get caught. It's not going to be for a little while, um, but I'm 100% sure that they're not going to win. Yeah, same. I've got a feeling that a lot of the captures were quite late this year. Mm. Last year we had half of over half of the um, fugitives caught before the halfway point. And in fact, they didn't even mention the video that Blex put out saying, less than half of you remain yeah. with two weeks left. This year, I think it was the other way around. I think a majority of the captures will come in sort of the 20s. Yeah. Because I think Nick and Paul were... 
about day five. Mm-hmm. The girls were about day twelve, I think. Yeah, something like that. I think they lasted a while. Yep. And they've known each other for seven years and are like brothers and mess- studying architecture at Huddersfield Uni. And they say that any money is life-changing for them. And HQ think that they live beyond their means. In a classic Dr. Donnerism. Yeah, well done, Ben Owen, for spotting that one. They're students. They've just graduated. Hello. Duh. Oh. No shit, Sherlock. One thing I didn't realise about them, though, is that apparently they're both big Doors fans. They're particularly into the singer of the Doors. And, oh, damn it. Hang on. They're particularly into the singer of the Doors. Apparently they're really into Jim. Yeah, they're really into Jim. That joke works so much better if you actually uh, if you actually queue it up properly. Yeah, well, you can you can <laughs> cut that bit. I can, but uh, <laughs> will I? Space. Yeah, will I? No. <laughs> oh, Michael, do it. The Hunted podcast is much more loose this year, Michelle. I kept in the your you daughter su- your daughter sneezing in the the sheep bit. Oh, I don't God. have to, but it makes me giggle when I edit. So, oopsies. I just cut out anything that makes me sound like a dick. Oh, yeah, obviously. Short podcast then. Oh. <laughs> Bitch. Uh, oh, that's good. The old fucker. Oh my god, I can't believe he said that. That was one, that was one of my highlights of the show. I actually went back <laughs> to make sure. The old mustard. The old fucker. <laughs> oh my god. Sherlock is very liberal with his swearing this year. Mm. And HQ block Ish and Nate's bank accounts, which makes everyone go, wait, they can do that? Yeah, turns out they can. The entirety of Twitter was very confused by the fact that they can do this, but they've made it abundantly clear over the past four years that they can do this any time that they want. They can do anything to emulate the powers of the state. And I would hazard a guess personally that it's probably like a Barclays or Lloyd's card where they've introduced the potential to freeze. Yeah, it's got, there's an app, isn't there, that's switched it off temporarily, so it looks like it's done it. Um, does This lines up, though, with the, with the pre-season stuff, though, saying about a certain amount of cash and certain in a bank, didn't it? But is this the card that the hunters give them? Yeah. Yeah. So why would they freeze it? If, they're ha- if they have to use, say, £50 or £100, they have to withdraw it, why would they freeze it? This is a question that we actually got sent in by Alianora, and luckily... The wonderful root privileges himself actually answered it. Mm. So Alianora asked, was it really necessary for HU to freeze those accounts? They could have just used the data stream from a successful transaction to sneak upon the duo. And the answer to that question is that HQ actually do have the option to freeze it, or that they can just leave it going because of the data stream that will lead them towards it. But if it's a team where they suspect that they're going to struggle when they lose money and then go back towards home, as in Ish and Nate, then it makes a lot of sense. For them to just freeze it. Yeah, I think they said in the episode it's going to drive them to try and get some money from somewhere else, and they're not that far away from their home ground, so they're probably going to go and speak to someone that they're connected with. Yeah, so thank you, friend of the podcast, Doug, for clarifying that for us. I find that very mean. Why would you do that? Because it's mean. It's mean, but that's kind of why they did it. In fact, that's the entire reason they did it. They did it to frazzle Ish and Nate and make them make mistakes, and it worked. I don't like it. And Ish and Nate abandoned wild camping after sleeping through a very horrific storm. Oh boy, that looked rough. In June, I don't, I don't remember it being that that bad. But I suppose they're quite. They're up in the high peak, so they're, they're fairly exposed. For all the mud that we sling, 
I'm not slinging any mud about that. I would have run inside if that happened to me. I mean, let's be clear, I would never wild camp anyway, because, you know, what's the point where there's hotels? But still, I would never have slept outside in that. No, no chance. Too tough. And Frank and Harry are in Doveridge. 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 No. Doveridge. Thank you, Hersey. They're in Doveridge. Doveridge. And quite near Ish and Nate on the map. Yeah. Uh, about, four, about 45 miles. Yeah, they seem to be all migrating towards the same area this year. Of sort yeah. of the peaks. Yeah, I, well, I think we've seen that before. I mean, it's, it's a fairly logical place to go. It, considering how close you are to towns and cities, it's quite remote. So it does make sense. Yeah, they were about forty-five miles apart, Doveridge to um, where the where Rish and Nate were. Yeah, and they get bacon sandwiches and plan to head towards home. And they make a video of them clay pigeon shooting for Blacks. Now here's the question: When they got in the car with Joe, did we see their cameraman? There was someone on the back seat, and I'm not a hundred percent whether it was, but I certainly wouldn't be shocked. No, I, didn't, I don't remember seeing it. I'll, I'll have a look back. And as Ant did, Hersey finds the clay pigeon shooting range and gets CCTV showing them getting into a car with Joe. So Paul and Jill get sent out to interrogate her. And she reveals a little bit too much. She's good, isn't she? She's she's your classic interview subject. She's marvellous. No, I don't know who they're talking about, but I did take them in the car. (laughs) Did you? Yeah, but I'm not telling you that. But then, weirdly, it still works out because they go missing again. Yeah. (laughs) And Ish and Nate are also in the Peak District at a pub. And we find out that Nate loves mayo. He loves his mayo, doesn't he? What? Now, why? Why did he call it a biscuit? It, you could see it was a muffin. He was, he was saying he would even put mayonnaise on a biscuit. And then they find out that their card has been declined, and HQ get the information that it has been declined. But sadly for them, no hunters are nearby, so Sherlock has to rely on tech. And they do manage to scrape together the money, but Nate is very unhappy. Yeah, can we just go on to that manage to scrape up the money for a plate of poached eggs being 40 quid? What, what is that all about? How have they managed really? to spend £40 pounds on breakfast? I'm assuming it was a little bit more than poached eggs. <laughs> it would have to be a, a lot more than poached eggs. I'm wondering if they stayed the night there. Mm, essentially, but would mm. it only be 35 quid or 40 quid? Well, it's really, really cheap, but if it was like a... Yeah, we've got a room we don't normally let out or do it for you. 25 quid or something, maybe. But there's no there's no way two breakfasts are going to come to 40 quid in North Derbyshire. Unless they paid for the uh, camera crew and everything as well. But then the camera crew have their own funds. Yeah, just an interesting point. And they decide to get to Huddersfield at a gym to meet a friend and order a taxi, which their friend Dodie will pay for on the other side. And as Dr. Donna said that they are gym rats, they're ecstatic to be back in a gym. Of course. And now we come on to my favourite NPC of the episode. John, the confrontational gym owner. <laughs> He's a character, isn't he? I genuinely thought that we were going to see Ish and Nate get the shit kicked out of them. <laughs> he was really quite scary, was he? <laughs> he <laughs> is intense. I love the people we're getting this series. You know, we got the the older lady before him that just was giving them absolutely nothing and laughing. And then we get him taking his glasses off. Yeah, proper eyeball. It's good. It's a local gym for local people. That's it. And HQ are only hours behind. And Colin says that John has rental properties, at which point we find out that Ish and Nate are in one of the rental properties. Yeah, not looking good. And in a rookie error, John's phone location's on, which, as soon as you hear the, oh, I didn't turn my phone location off, 
you know for a fact that this is going to come up. Uh-huh. Shockingly, Mark and Carly interrogate John. He says that they know what they're saying is complete BS. They ask for his phone. They see his phone location and the fact that his call history has been deleted. Yeah. He's not the best as accomplices go, really, is he? <laughs> and the cliffhanger of the episode is that there is a knock on the door. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. So next time, it's an eight run. Frank and Harry play with fire. Lorraine cries, and Matt swims. Yeah. Did you notice something I noticed in the next time trailer, Ant? No, and I really should have done, because you did warn me that you'd spotted something at the very beginning and something at the very end. So I, I did indeed. And I did only watch it an hour ago for the second time, but no, I didn't. <laughs> it was a very interesting phrase that Peter Blexley was heard saying. His capture will be ours to enjoy. Uh, yeah. Does that I... seem familiar to anyone? No, Wait, what's that from? It should do, because we've already seen Black say that quote. Well, maybe he likes saying that. He said it in exactly the same manner about Matt oh. last week. It's exactly the same clip. Mm. When they were pursuing Matt last week, he said, his capture will be ours to enjoy. Because I wrote it down because I thought it was a very poetic quote. Uh. And we see it again here. Mm, it is poetic. Mm. It's, not, it's not quite as poetic as... Couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo. I miss that bit. <laughs> <laughs> with a what? Damn it, I skipped Sorry, the... Sorry, hang on. Did he say badger? Banjo. Ba- banjo. I... Oh, banjo. God. I accidentally skipped my favourite quote of the episode. Damn it. <laughs> I got you back. Yeah, after Did We See a Cameraman in the Back of Frank and Harry's Car, my next bit was They Couldn't Hit a Cow's Ass with a Banjo. <laughs> Couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo. That's the most obscure thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like seriously, for one, how many people in the world have a banjo? <laughs> like... Let's be honest, most of the residents we saw are on uh, Hunted USA. <laughs> yeah. Blaze has got a banjo, I'm sure. <laughs> We've not mentioned him in a while. Oh. I know. <laughs> Bring back Blaze campaign. So. Next week, the press release is, and this won't contain any spoilers, so I'm not going to read out the episode 5 one, which Anne and I have read. Brothers Harry and Frank feel exhausted and hungry, so they head home to resupply at a friend's pub, but they cannot resist the urge to contact their sister. Royal Marine Matt wants to go on the offensive and lays an ambush in Saunton Sands, while Lorraine, having never been away from home before, is struggling with living off-grid in the Lake Districts. Why can't they resist the urge to contact their sister? Probably because they've gone rural for the past 13 days, I don't care! And now actually have to, you know, contact someone as part of the rules. Oh, okay. Okay, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> also, you still don't care! <laughs> like, seriously. You went kind of Southern Belle there, Michelle. <laughs> Sorry, sir. <laughs> Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> still with the banjos. <laughs> Didn't realise you were uh, in 19th century Georgia, Michelle. I can't even I can't even say that that um talk like that at all. So, what do you predict is going to happen next week? Do you want to do it spoiler free? Yeah, yeah, we need to do it spoiler free because Michelle doesn't doesn't know what we know. Okay. I think that Nish get caught. Mhm. Okay. That's it. Okay. Yeah, you two can't even say anything because you can't think well, what can I say? There isn't a lot we can say to be fair. Annoyingly, I always look it up anyway just just so that I'm prepared for what happens the week after. And also looks it up this week inexplicably. He doesn't usually. So we know what the episode 5 description is as well. 
Yeah. And know who is mentioned in that. Why do you do that to yourselves? I do it because I like to... Well, I I need the episode 4 one to be able to quote to you guys. And then I knew episode 5 was available and I'm just... I'm terrible with temptation. Yeah, I don't know why I looked it up. Like you said, Michael, I don't normally, but I kind of wish I didn't because it's very well described, episode 5. I mean, Michelle knows a little bit because we were discussing it beforehand, but there's one particular fugitive or team who could potentially be vulnerable after the next episode. There's only one of the people mentioned in this description, or Ish and Nate, who are not mentioned in the next one. But then Ish and Nate are mentioned in, in this one. So, last week we set you guys the challenge of suggesting the collective nouns for a group of hunters, which was fun to see over the week. So just a, a few of my favourites. We had Pack from The Great Damn Peak, who runs the Fiesta Mall suspect list. If you're watching Vidim, please do his suspect list, because you'll be competing against me. Uh, Sean Marlowe suggested Swoop, Chase or Catch. Ian Arbuckle went for Huntroids, and Alianora has my favourite one, I think, in A Wheel Spin of Hunters. Oh, yes. That, that's the one. You've won the internet. Someone else said a frustration. Was that Stephen? I can't remember. I, did, I had a quick glance through the RTV Warriors Twitter this, uh, right before we recorded, just to see if I could pick any up. I, I think like it was a bit. frustration. I like that. A frustration is also good. Yeah. And... Last week, I also jokingly suggested that we have a an RTV Warriors bingo card and that Michelle saying stupid would be one of the squares on it. I did <laughs> mock up a, um, a a bingo card just for funsies, but I want to know this week, what would you put in the centre square of an RTV Warriors bingo card? Be as mean as you want. My personal choice would be me constantly saying and, given that, you know, it's my thinking word. But what would you guys put in there? I think I said something. What did I say? I can't remember. Yeah, it had pretty much all the ones I would have put on there already. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. Oh, no, it was Come On. You didn't have Come On. Come On! I want the one from last season. That one is just like this high-pitched squeal. It's a bit too shouty. Yeah, we need a better one. Wasn't it Danny who did last season's one? Was it Danny? It's always Danny. That's always Danny. I know, I like last season's Danny. And as I mentioned earlier in the episode, we did have a little vote prompted on by Kevin O'Leary about what the episode title should be by a landslide. The winner was Foxtrot Oscar. So that will be my suggestion going into the episode title when I edit this. And the final thing prompted by Kevin O'Leary before I shut up for another week on the Hunted podcast at least is that former Fugitive Paul is running a GoFundMe at the moment to yes. try and do a recovery cafe in Hoddesdon in Hertfordshire. Yeah, I saw that. I also noticed when I was looking at the uh, the description of it that Kevin O'Leary himself donated five hundred pounds. Oh, well done! Oh, that's so nice. Well done, thank you very much. Good work. Even Sherlock's <laughs> impressed. Thanks, Sherlock. So, if you want to donate to that, I'll put the link underneath as well. But it's a very noble cause. Yeah, well done. So, have you guys got anything else to mention? Mm, no, uh, I'm, I'm really, really, really enjoying the fact that I have no idea where this is going, and we've only got three episodes left. That's marvellous. Yeah, we're halfway through the series already. I was thinking about this before we started recording that I really enjoy doing the Hunted podcast, not just because we get such a good response from everyone involved in the show, but it's just fun to be with you guys. Let's be honest. It's a a brilliant show. I love this show so much. I don't normally get soppy with you guys, but it is fun as a trio. It's not the same when it's just two of us. Anyway, back into hard-ass mode now. Fuck you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Michelle hates her pits. (laughs) <laughs> the old fucker. I don't know what came over me. <laughs> Snap out of my trance. 
dear. Have you got anything to say, Michelle? Uh, no, no, because I addressed everything, I think. Yeah, I was just, um, I did actually tear up with, with the whole brother thing and, and Harry was crying and I thought, oh, my God, this is too sad. This is happening every series now. I do tear up probably once. Yeah. We're getting some really, really powerful backstories. Yeah, let, let's be perfectly honest. Harry and or Frank are winning 100%. Everyone else we're not sure about. If Frank manages to get away from the cursed warehouse, I'll be very surprised. But also very impressed. I just can't see a, a way for for their story to not end up as Frank trying to make sure Harry wins by being a decoy himself. And Harry on his own is going to be very interesting. Exactly, that's what I think. I think they were setting us up this week for Harry to end up on his own because he's relied on Frank so much. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see whether I'm right. And I'm sure by the time Kevin O'Leary hears this, he goes, Motherfucker, how's he worked that out? Seriously, I thought we hit it... Because we had it with Alex and Bob last year. Oh, yeah. I thought we hit it well this year. <laughs> <laughs> I also just like the idea of Kevin O'Leary calling me a motherfucker. You oh wouldn't say that. Stop it. The old fucker. Okay, okay. So anyway, thank you for listening to the Hunters Podcast. You can join us next week for another episode. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, or at the TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, at TV Warriors, or on Twitter pages, MJ Armstrong for me, Bullsboy for Anthony, and Bear3333333333 for Michelle. Also, if you're watching Vista Mole, you can join me and Logan for that on Wednesday. We will see you next week. But with that, your time on the run is over. Sorry, Bye. I rushed through that in a Jill style, didn't I? Your time on the run is over. Bye.